there's something about motherhood that from an Aristotelian point of view is, is you're actualizing the powers that you've got. I, I had my son at 35 mm-hmm. and um, I was struck by how incredible sort of it, it was to have these powers in my body that like I never knew existed yeah. and that were like being actualized through the act of becoming a mother. Mm-hmm. And it really felt very empowering and we should see it that way. Welcome to the Catholic Theology Show, presented by Ave Maria University. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Dauphiné, and today we're joined by Dr. Janice Chi Breidenbach, Professor of Philosophy at Ave Maria University. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, I really appreciate your being here, and I'm so excited today to get to talk about just a fascinating uh, topic. Uh, You've developed a course and have taught a course on the philosophy of motherhood. That's right. And uh, I think that's just something that is uh, so so important for people to think about and try to come to understand. I know so many people have questions, but maybe just to kind of start with like a, an, an easy objection, right? But why, why are we studying motherhood? I mean, isn't motherhood so obvious that it doesn't require a <laughs> university level course? Sure. I think from one perspective, you know, a lot of things are so obvious that they don't require university level courses. Like, I would I would say metaphysics, you know, <laughs> the philosophy of being, right? Like yeah. we we all mm-hmm. are, and so why do we need to study that? Um, or or even ethics, right? Um, we mm-hmm. we all are, you know, we we seem to have an intuitive grasp of what the good life is, and so why do we need to study it? And yeah. I think, um, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, what Aristotle says at the beginning of the metaphysics is really apropos here. I mean, he says basically that what distinguishes us from animals is that we not only experience the world, but we, we reflect on our experiences. Mm-hmm. And these experiences come to have a deeper meaning for us. We want to know the first causes of things. Mm-hmm. And we, we should not rest content with just, you know, sort of saying, yes, that's a common experience. And a, as motherhood is a very pervasive, uh, for, for the majority of, of women in the world, yeah. um, motherhood is this uh, very pervasive and, and familiar experience. So, um, I mean, I myself too, um, you know, didn't think motherhood would be interesting. But when I became a mother, you know, I really, you know, realized like I was proven wrong. Wow. By, by that. Wow. That's, that's really a great, um, that's a great, it's a great insight there. And it reminds me, I think uh, C.S. Lewis in his book, Miracles, uh, says something that often what's the most obvious is the most easily overlooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And there he's, I think he's talking about kind of when you're out on a beautiful day, outside in a beautiful day, you're looking at everything you forget that the sun is illuminating everything mm-hmm. that you're seeing. And he also says in a way, right, when we're seeing the world being caused by God as creator, we often forget the most obvious thing, namely God. Right. Right. And right. we can get lost. And so yeah. I wonder if in some ways, you know, motherhood is also kind of a such a pervasive experience uh, that we often forget it. I mean, and in some ways, right, uh, you know, maybe we have this kind of idea of the self, you know, the self-made individual um, and uh, that kind of the role of motherhood and uh, all of these different things are kind of forgotten. So mm. maybe what are some ways in which you've seen or kind of discovered, right, this most obvious reality in a way forgotten or overlooked? Yeah, I, I actually think culturally in our modern you know, society that motherhood is not just overlooked, it's really scorned. And, wow. you know, I mean, I, I, I'm just speaking mm-hmm. from a kind of, you know, yeah. the, the, a kind of general... Uh, you know, f- feminist kind of view, right? That that motherhood is is really in opposition 
to being a woman and to being fully actualized as, as a person. Mm-hmm. And so, so no, I think, I think the problem is a very serious one. It, it does demand uh, greater philosophical reflection and theological reflection for us to yeah. really understand. And, you know, in a very, I think, reasonable way, we can see that nothing is maybe more important than parenthood, right? Because like this mm-hmm. is where we begin. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, we can, we, you know, theology is a very high science, but the child only knows his own parents. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, ki- there's a kind of beginning of knowledge right there that should make us pause and say, okay, this is a very significant sort of relationship, um, both, both yeah. mother and father, but I mm-hmm. would say the mother in, in, a, in a kind of primary way. So, so in some sense, we can't neglect it. And, yeah. you know, we can become mothers and fathers in, in the biological sense. But then we really have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to actually be a mother mm-hmm. and a father? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think everywhere we are neglecting it. Is, is, is that your question? Like sort of, yeah, yeah growing, well, growing, just growing up as a, yeah. The way you're describing it, too, is that it's not just maybe a forgotten, but perhaps a scorned mm-hmm. reality. Yeah. Um, do you I mean, sense the, for why is it that? People have come to see motherhood as uh, somehow, right, a threat. Yeah. I mean, we almost, yeah. you know, it's like a threat to the woman's fulfillment. Yeah, no, I, th- I think people assume that there's a kind of zero-sum proposition here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that when you become a mother, you're, you, you become less, right? And, wow, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think young women are sort of formed in this way, right? I, I was certainly like when I went through college, um, I went to Princeton, of course. And like, you know, of course you get people like saying, well, you, you, you know, you, the, the worst possible thing that you could do is like graduate from college and then like get married and become a mom, like right after. Wow, and, yeah. um, and there's a mm-hmm. real cultural pressure not to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you certainly would never think of doing that while you're still in college. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think I, I'm not sure. I, I think, like, sort of from a material perspective, even um, this is a wrong view, right? Because, like, there's something about motherhood that, you know, from an Aristotelian point of view, it, is you're actualizing the powers that you've got. I mean, I was very uh-huh. struck by, you know, um, you know, I got, uh, I had my, you know, our son at 35, mm-hmm. and um, I was struck by how incredible, right? Sort of, it, it was to have these powers in my body that, like, I never knew existed yeah. and that were like being actualized through the act of becoming a mother. Mm-hmm. And it really felt very empowering. And, you know, I mean, you, it's good. You feel that way even at nine months pregnant, right? Uh-huh. Because like, you know, you both feel like a beast of burden as well as like yeah. really empowered mm-hmm. actually. And I think that's, that is the reality of it. Um, I remember telling my husband, like I felt like I had superpowers that were like emerging oh, in me, right? Like yeah. you think about like the, the magic, like just the amazing, right? The womb itself can expand like a thousand times its size, <laughs> right? The, the woman's body can grow a whole new organ, right? The placenta, mm-hmm. um, just the ability to say sustain life, um, the, the ability to produce milk, Right. It's yeah. like really amazing. I don't know, like what, you know, how men like get yeah. around this. But, mm-hmm. you know, I told Michael, like, I felt like it was like superpowers that I never had. I never knew I had. And, yeah. you know, he's, he said, well, I think men have superpowers, too, you know, but like, but yeah, so I think I think yeah. it, it from, even from a biological perspective, it's very empowering mm-hmm. and, and we should see it that way. Um, and and yeah, it's not really a zero sum proposition. Yeah. So and, yeah. maybe part of one of the. um I don't know, one of the contemporary ideas is there's this, right, either or, there's a collision course mm-hmm. between a career and motherhood. Right, uh, yeah. And almost it's like that's kind of built into people's DNA today. Right. Um, how do you see that maybe being overcome? 
That's yeah, that's um, that's the hard question. And um, I think that, you know, the modernity proposes one extreme solution, which is right. Um, you don't. Right. Maybe maybe you have a child or two. Right. Two mm-hmm. would be the maximum. Um, and but but you don't actually actively mother um, mm-hmm. your children. Uh, but, you know, there is also another extreme to that, which is, you know, you can't work. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't. Um, you can't make it work, um, mm-hmm. uh, but, but you can't have it all. And so you have to, you know, women really should be stay-at-home mothers and, and not do anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that this, this is the tricky question. It's, mm-hmm. it's a question that Anne-Marie Slaughter, you know, uh, addresses at length. Um, and I actually think Anne-Marie Slaughter, so Anne-Marie Slaughter was my dean at, at Princeton the, okay. at, in the Woodrow Wilson School. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I respected her in the way that, like, a professional woman, you know, I think, you know, is is very respectable. She's very respectable um, professionally. But she came out with this Atlantic article that was kind of shocking, you know, when it came out. And it's uh, it's titled, Why Women Still Can't Have It All. Um, okay. And and in the article, she is, it's basically kind of a confession, right, mm-hmm. that, that she's writing. She says, like, she was hired by Hillary Clinton, then Secretary of State, um, and, and she would commute from Princeton uh, every week, and so she was living in D.C., and she just thought, okay, my sons are grown up, like, I, they don't need me, mm-hmm. right? But, um, you know, the police started getting called, you know, for, like, various things. I mean, it was, like, pretty serious, and she regretted it. She mm-hmm. she writes that, you know, I, you know I, I didn't want to admit this, but my sons needed me. So um, I, I think that, you know, even, even you know, a, a woman like her, right, who's, like, very, I, I would say, like, very different from the, the milieu that, that Ave Maria offers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all recognize that, you know, that there should there must be some way of synthesizing or integrating um, the work of being a mother with the professional vocation that we have. I think that there must be a way to do this. I mean, I, for my part, I'm very lucky in that my work is very flexible. Um, I, you know, go to the university, a few times a week to teach and to be on campus for meetings and to, to see students. Um, but most of my work can be done from home. Mm-hmm. And um, especially when our son was a newborn, I found it uh, possible to get lots of writing done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when all he did was, you know, eat and sleep and, you know, do like basic <laughs> animal things. So um, I, I think that we do need to recognize that the workplace sometimes is structured in such a way that it excludes the possibility of motherhood. Mm-hmm. And we should be you know, I mean, I think we should reconsider that, you know, also with the consideration that, yes, children sometimes make it impossible to have an efficient meeting, right? Um, But there must be a way around that. And so I I think, you know, Slaughter's proposal, and she doesn't get that much into specific, she mentioned some things, but, you know, the proposal is like, we need to rethink the workplace. And I know, like, some people don't like that, that option. But I mean, you know, if women are going to work, and, you know, I mean, this is our economic situation that most people have to work. Um, it's, it's just not possible for, I think, mm-hmm. for, for most people to, for only, you know, only one, one partner to, one spouse to work. Um, we, we do need to, like, sort of reconsider that and, and find a way for motherhood to be, you know, for us to recognize it, right, as, as mm-hmm. the identity of a, of a woman who is also a professional. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just my, view. you know, I, I think that there, there can be a way to do that. But um, yeah, well, it's yeah. also interesting that if you think about people in, I mean, in part, it seems that one of the stories that our culture wants to tell us and that you said you learned as a student at Princeton is the idea that professional work will satisfy your deepest longings Mm, mm -hmm. and your search for meaning and purpose. And it seems to me that one thing that everyone discovers and that everyone knows 
is that professional work will never yeah. satisfy your deepest yeah, longings. <laughs> I mean, and so we have yeah. kind of this yeah. this uh, pe- this kind of obvious contradiction in a way that's at the heart of much of our educational system. Right. Uh, and and it's it doesn't mean that work I think can become a tremendous part of your meaning and purpose where you recognize one of the things you have to contribute to the world is yeah. is a professional vocation, an yeah. actual skill, um, right? You know, a, a job, something that you can do well yeah. that allows you to serve others and, and benefit some, you know, all these things are wonderful, but it's not meant to kind of bear all the weight. And I That's think right. like at yeah. times we need... Um, maybe something like motherhood and fatherhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It seems to me I think this is true yeah. for fathers to really find meaning. One of the ways fathers, I think, intrinsically find meaning in work is providing for family. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I, and, I, I think yeah. it's seamless in that sense, right? Yeah. I mean, our work, if if work is just a form of self-aggrandizement, right? I mean, it's just like, it's just, I, I just feel good mm-hmm. right, when I when I do my work well. Then, yeah, that that's where it really falls short, right? But like, yes. I think what you're saying mm-hmm. is, if work is viewed as a form of service, yeah. right, that 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 it's part of my my relationship, right, to others mm-hmm. and a kind of appreciation for, right. So, like someone someone who doesn't have children, for instance, maybe they're not married, right, mm-hmm. can also find satisfaction yeah. by placing work in a secondary, right, as a means to mm-hmm. the end of right human yeah, relationships. Yeah. And so then, like you know, the the fact that we're mothers and fathers mm-hmm. reveals to us, right, like what the real point was all along. Right. Yeah, it, it's it is, it is like for the, the sense that of, yeah. aspect of relationship. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and 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 so then work isn't, so to speak, like something. It's not like one part of our life that's cut off and abstracted from no. the rest of our yeah, life. That's right. but it, yeah. it brings our relationships bring meaning to our work and our work brings meanings to our relationships. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Including our families, I think. Yeah. You know, and in many, I, mean, I think yeah. that the maybe the normal mode in which people discover this is um or at least maybe the you know the, the most common mode where I think people discover it most powerfully is probably through something like fatherhood mm-hmm. and motherhood when they, if they happen to have children, recognize that here's another person who's totally dependent upon mm-hmm. them. Right. And that can often yeah. awaken yeah. a sense of, like, you know, a sense of responsibility right. that otherwise is latent. It completely changes the way you look at the world How have you and the seen way you that? look at yourself. And you spoke a little bit about, um, you know, that you had a child uh, several years ago. How yeah. have you discovered that? Well, I, I think that, you know, the, the sense in which a child is, as, as you're saying, so wholly dependent mm-hmm. on, on you um, as, you know, a, a parent um, really places you, you know, sort of, uh, you know, reinforces your understanding of your place in the cosmos, right? Wow. I mean, so, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, I see something very theological in mm-hmm. it, um, the sense in which, right, we come into the world um, blind, and naked and yeah. <laughs> right and and so vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. I was also struck by the fact that you know babies do tend to fast for the most part. Like they don't eat very much. You know mm-hmm. they don't know how. Right? They don't even know how to eat. Right? In mm-hmm. the first like day or two of life, and so inevitably they lose weight. Mm-hmm. And you know the vulnerability and and a sense of the mother's worry increases. Right? And sort of yeah. with with all of that. Mm-hmm. And um and yet um the mother then really right sees her body right sort of as completely encompassing the life of the child, like in mm-hmm. such a way that it's even beyond her own uh, sort of volition, right? It's beyond her own reasoning and deliberation. Um, it's something that nature offers, right? The fact that, I mean, I think like the medievals thought that the flow of milk, right, when a baby was born was miraculous, 
I thought it was like incredible. Wow. And they, they drew all sorts of like theological parallels, right, to mm -hmm. um, the, the nourishment that the church offers us, the nourishment that Christ, right, with his wounds, right, sort of mm -hmm. offers us and and Mary, right, sort of with, with her sustenance. So, so I, I think um, I think it just completely changes the way that you see mm -hmm. yourself and and your own Right, just just through the very vulnerability of, of this little baby, and then you yeah. remember, like God mm -hmm. made Himself like this. It's just incredible, yeah. right? Like it just really cements, like sort of, um, yeah, our dependence. Yeah, and, I think there's yeah. an interesting image there. In a way, the mother and and the father, to a certain extent, but especially the mother, discovers the absolute vulnerability of the child. Um, Right. Even I remember, I think the first time I was around an infant, you know, the fact that they don't smile for two months or something, <laughs> it's like these weird things. Yeah. They're, they're so vulnerable. But in a certain sense, we discover both our ability to care for another yeah. one. Yeah. But also our vulnerability. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah. we can't get out of the vulnerability cycle, right. you right. know, that we want yeah. to when we if we love a child who is so vulnerable Right. Yeah. We. I mean, did you find that that was all a, a way of almost discovering our own vulnerability? Oh yeah, absolutely. As well? But yeah, I think you're also speaking to the fact that, uh, the fact that, for instance, the baby doesn't smile or laugh. I mean, Paul Thomas, I don't think laughed. He didn't smile at me until I think he was like four months old or something. <laughs> so I had to wait for it, you know. And yeah, I, th mm -hmm. I think what you're speaking to is we feel the vulnerability of of also loving right another who does not love us back, right? Like the baby yeah. does not. I mean, I know, like, mm -hmm. I mean, people maybe have these. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not true. Like the baby doesn't love you back. Like they don't. Like they're mm -hmm. they're completely. You know, it's just need love all the way, right? Yeah. I'm asking mm -hmm. this, and um, you know, and and yet, right? I think nature helps with this, right? Like nature mm -hmm. offers like the mother all sorts of like chemical and hormonal, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of incentives to take care of the child, but um, and, and emotionally, right? Um, that but that has to be practiced too, and yeah, and you you learn right to love a, another creature who, mm -hmm. uh maybe doesn't deserve it, right? Instead, yeah. like, you know, flings, like, poop on you and, like, <laughs> you know, gets you really, like, it's just yeah. messy, you know, you're you're sleep-deprived, mm -hmm. right? Um, so somehow yeah. in the midst of all that, what I hear you suggesting is the idea is that we discover one of our greatest callings and purposes, right? Yeah. That we have this latent capacity yeah. to not only to, like, to pass on life and nourish life and educate life, right? Um, but it's almost like we don't know it's there, yeah. Um, yeah. Until we. Right. It's in our bodies. Like yeah. there's something very late, like there's something mm -hmm. biological about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for a father, it feels a little different. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and in some sense, I feel like the, I think the mother has to mediate. Right. And, and show, maybe show the father. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. know. I, I don't want to speak for all fathers here, but um, in, in some sense, for instance, uh, the mother knows first, like when the child begins to move. Right. Sure, yeah. And then the natural mm -hmm. thing is like, she, she gets her husband to come in, like, oh, like, come mm -hmm. like, like feel that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's some sense in which the mother is a kind of intercessor mm -hmm. for the child, that kind of meeting and relationship. Um, and all the more, right. You think like if mothers are not interested in actually mothering, then why do we expect fathers to be around? Yeah. Right? Why do we expect yeah. fathers to father? You know, there's an interesting yeah. line from, I don't remember where it is in the old Testament, but I think it might be Isaiah, but it's that idea that, you know, should a mother forget her child, um, yeah. you know, God will still remember yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, and that's supposed to be an argument uh, from absurdity, right? Yes. It's like that is not possible. It is yes, not possible yes. that the mother should forget yes. her own child. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And it seems like, in a certain sense, in our culture, we have. A mother, like we have mothers forgetting their children insofar as they forget to be mothers at all. Mm -hmm. Like we have a, that's kind of like where mm -hmm. I feel like your work about trying to help people remember, yeah, you know, yeah. motherhood 
um, as seeing that. So uh, we're going to take a break now. Okay. But when we get back, I'd love to ask a few more questions about uh, how do we how do we learn from motherhood when things go wrong? So we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about that after the break. Okay, great. You're listening to The Catholic Theology Show, presented by Ave Maria University. If you'd like to support our mission, we invite you to prayerfully consider joining our Annunciation Circle, a monthly giving program aimed at supporting our staff, faculty, and Catholic faith formation. You can visit us at AveMaria.edu to learn more. Thank you for your continued support, and now let's get back to the show. Well, uh, Janice, I'd love to hear a little bit about you know, what happens when I think people have a desire maybe to become a mother, perhaps they're married and they can't have children, uh, or perhaps they want to get married and they can't find a suitable uh, spouse. How does, ref- how does reflections on motherhood, right, help people who are in such situations? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, get a dog. No, I'm just <laughs> That's what most people do, right? Um, That's right yes, no, I, yes, I think, but yeah. but I think actually that the you know what what we see, which is mm-hmm. not new, right? Um, it's just kind of we, we've all seen this among the aristocracy, right? Who are childless, like they have they have pets. We're seeing it more among the middle class now, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has a pet, like who doesn't mm-hmm. have a child, and yeah. um, you know that there is something there, right? Like I, th- I think we do have to recognize that. Uh, a person who does this, right, has maternal instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, among the millennial generation, like people will joke about how like their plant babies, you know, are sufficient for them, right? It's like uh, I have enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you either have a plant baby or you have a fur baby. <laughs> wow. um, and, you know, I mean, as someone who formerly thought motherhood would be, you know, more burdensome than it was worth, to be honest with you, you know, I mean, sure. I was just raised by this culture, you know, that yeah. said like, you know, your career, you know, professional life and, you know, it's more fun, right? Without cho- Life is more fun without children. Mm-hmm. Um, these maternal, you know, in- instincts like just won't go away, right? And yeah. um, and you can't satisfy them, right? With with plant babies and fur babies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, you know, you can't really explain that to someone, you know, until they've actually become a mother to some yeah. extent biologically. Mm-hmm. So there is a kind of problem here, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a philosopher, L.A. Paul, who writes about, um, her, she, she argues that there's certain experiences that we really can't know about until we actually experience mm-hmm. them, right? And she actually ties, I think this has interesting implications for women who have abortions because they, they think that, mm-hmm. right, um, having a child is not going to be worth it or it's not going to be, right, it's not going to be a good experience, um, and, and Paul's argument seems to have the implication that you don't know that. You can't possibly know that, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, there is something about biological motherhood that, you know, just as um, you can't really theorize it until, you know, uh, you can't understand it until you've experienced mm-hmm. it. But at the same time, I do think that there is a kind of account of motherhood, the biological account that can be analogized to, like, we can see an analogy for the way in which biological mother, motherhood, right, this natural sense of motherhood um, this giving of the very body of the mother, right? There's a sense yeah. in which, like, the, the mother's body is the is a person's first home, right? It mm-hmm. is the entire cosmos, like, contained within um, just this, right? And, like, there's everything in her body, like, has the sustenance that a child needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there is this, I mean, breastfeeding is, like, it's painful for a lot of women, but it's also incredible, right? That, like, mm-hmm. you can just, like, you know, if it works out for you, you can just take your child anywhere, mm-hmm. right? And, like, the child will be just fine, mm-hmm. right? They don't need... <laughs> Um, I mean, you may have to sort of scrounge around for food, right? But that's another story. I mean, so 
I think um, in some sense, like the analogy for that to a kind of, you know, what theologians might call spiritual motherhood, um, the, the sense in which um, Mary actually encompasses both the spiritual motherhood as well as the natural motherhood, right? There's something like kind of incredible yeah. about the way in which she shows us that the, the natural is not enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our, our understanding of the natural, however, you know, offers us an understanding of how we can love others, right? Yeah. By, by giving of yeah. ourselves in this way, you know, too. And, and maybe the way you describe it, you know, it seems like we all do actually maybe experience motherhood in a way. Mm-hmm. The normal, I mean, obviously there's, there are a few extreme situations, but most of us have had mothers. Yes. You know, yeah. and so maybe our first experience of motherhood is on the receiving end. Right. And learning yeah. to become aware of and appreciative of the role of our own mothers so that like we're already in a world in which motherhood is a reality. That's right. Right. Yeah. Even if yeah. we aren't even if, you know, a, a young woman or a, mo- a woman is not able to be a mother. And even just, you know, my own growing up, I remember having two older sisters and uh, you know, I don't know that they were secondary mothers, but they were, in a certain sense, maternal in their love. Uh, they were, I think, I always kind of grew up thinking like they were my biggest fans, so to speak. <laughs> um, and, you know, I feel like, so there is a kind of sense in which I think many family members kind of express that kind of maternal mm-hmm. sense of love mm-hmm. and care and nurturing yeah. and support. And, you know, that kind of, and I, it seems that's a way that maybe, you know, any women, any woman can uh, bring that, you know, I don't know, bring that disposition yeah. to a variety yeah. of relationships. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Julian of Norwich, like the the anchoress, right? Yes. Like she, yeah. I think she. She's she, a 14th some, century. Yeah, that's right. Mystic. Yeah. yeah. And like some some people think she takes it a bit far, right? With like describing God as mother, right? So she extends this concept of motherhood mm-hmm. as this nourishing, nurturing, yeah. giving of self wholly, right, to another unconditionally as, right, if, if that's the quality of motherhood, like, is her argument, then, then offer, like, all the more, right, God is mother, yeah, right? And yeah. so, so I mean, some people, you know, think that's a bit too far, but I do think, too, like, we want to, ref- you know, she also says God is father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, I've thought myself, um, you know, uh, you know, a lot on, on the sense in which, like, mother as nurturing also needs father as challenging, mm-hmm. right? So, like, the mother's impulse, anyway, this is my impulse, right? So she has, like, a Chinese mom. It's like, eat, 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 right? Like, you've got to eat food. Like, you have to, like, I have to feed you. I have to clothe you. I've got to, I've got to do everything for you, you know? And the father says, no, right? Like, let him figure it out himself. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it means that, you know, he's going to be hungry a little bit. But he has to figure out how to eat on his own. And I think that's hard for a mom, mm-hmm. right? Like the worst possible thing for me anyway is like to see anyone in my house go hungry, mm-hmm. right? So, <laughs> right, like the mother, the mother's body, right, just speaks yeah. of this, right? It's like, this is your food mm-hmm. and I'm always available to you, right? Like anyway, that's like kind of the attachment parenting model, right? Which yeah. um, I, I think is very natural and instinctive for mm-hmm. women. I mean, there's a limit to it, right? Like, of course, like we want to balance that with like the mother's own like sort of mental yeah. health right sure. but um but there there is something natural about just you know giving and giving and giving but then mm-hmm. the father i think right is the one who helps her to to say okay like sometimes material gift is not is not all mm-hmm. right and i think mary shows this right it's not just material gift it's spiritual gift too and spiritual gift sometimes means that we have to hold back and we have mm-hmm. to discipline like for the child's good. Mm-hmm. And so this this is a hard teaching, right? Because yeah. like the child does come to us 
so dependent, vulnerable, and needy, yeah. and the mother just wants to give everything. Mm-hmm. But the child is going to change, and they grow, and they they get to a point in which they need to become independent and learn to depend not on mom or dad, but on God. And that yeah. that means like becoming mm-hmm. a person in their own right. Yeah, and and there is that sense that uh, in the ancient tradition. Uh, courage is the willingness to suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the willingness to fall in battle, the willingness yeah. to and suffer. Courage is Andrea manliness, yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and courage is yeah. also the willingness to let others suffer, mm-hmm. right? To let your yeah. comrades fall in point, battle, yeah. to let right. others suffer. And yeah. we see, right, Mary yeah. in the Catholic tradition, uh, right, revealed not only to be the one who nourished and protected and tried to protect Jesus, except when she lost mm-hmm. him. Uh, yeah. when he was 12, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But then has to let him suffer on right. the cross, has to let right. him suffer in his public ministry. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, she has that willingness to do yeah, both. There's um, uh, there's a, you know, a Jordan Peterson uh, recently was talking about the Pieta, the beautiful image uh, in, in Rome uh, that Michelangelo did of Mary holding body of Jesus. And it's interesting, her body is actually like twice the size of his body. Oh, yeah, that's true. In, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, in, in this beautiful sculpture so that she can hold Encompassing his him. whole body. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, he said in a way that everybody, every mother who has a child is bringing in a child mm-hmm. into the world. Yeah. And has to have that die. courage. Yeah. And we have to have who, that courage. Who, yeah. and, and so it is yeah. also a great act of, yeah. you know, courage. Uh, and yeah. I think that's, I think it's just hard. I think a lot of people are in a it's way afraid hard. Yeah. Of suffering themselves and afraid yeah. of uh, their loved ones. Suffering. That's a great contrast, by the way, from Achilles's mother, right? So Achilles's mother, Thetis, the goddess, yes, uh, like repeatedly asks him not to go into battle because she knows he's going to die, mm-hmm. right, at the hands of of wow. Paris, right? But yeah. um, of course, you know, he has to do the manly thing and, and go into battle. But mm-hmm. it, it's just striking, yeah. I think you know, you think of Thetis as the goddess mother of Achilles, mm-hmm. and then Mary, right? Like this contrast, yeah. right, in which Mary says yes, yes to everything, yes. and. Doesn't make it, you know, easier. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make no, it, it, yeah, that's, that's right, hard. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, but that is yeah. in some ways, yeah, um, right. I think the vocation of all mothers and fathers at some point is to say, right, yeah. yes, to let God, it be, to God, to God, yeah. let yeah, it be done right, yeah. to me yeah. and to them according to yeah. Thy will. Yeah, um, just a, maybe a, a different topic, but related. You know, I think the question of adoption often shows up. I've I've noticed even in popular culture, almost more of a suspicion of adoption. I think adoption rates have gone down broadly Mm. in the U.S. Uh, Sometimes there are, um, even in popular culture, shows or different things, kind of a certain sense of, um, you know, I don't know, like instead of seeing adoption as something beautiful, we Mm. often recognize some of the, we're very attentive, I think, to some of the, um, maybe, you know, the desire you know, maybe to know biological parents or different mm, things like mm-hmm. this. Um, but how do you, how, how does adoption fit in? I mean, it seems, it's kind of strange. If you're describing motherhood as primarily or as first discovered as a biological reality, yeah. um, it seems like human beings are kind of weird because throughout history, we've also practiced non-biological motherhood. Yeah. Um, and the practice of adoption, right, is, 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 is a real thing. So, yeah. How does that fit into an account of motherhood? Yeah, there, there's so much to say about adoption. I, I mean, I think one one thing is is you know to notice how difficult adoption can be. Like we we don't want to you know put on you know ha- have a rosy picture of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can be very challenging for for families to adopt. 
Um, and yet, I think, you know, especially in light of the theological fact that we are all adopted, right, wow. um, as God's children, mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, can, can view adoption as actually like offering the paradigm of the real work of a parent, mm-hmm. right? Like you didn't get the benefit of having the child get to know your body, right, for the first time. And that's a yeah. huge, huge advantage, right? Um, like babies, by the way, like know the scent of their mothers, right? Like they can pick out like through the milk, like because yeah. it smells like the amniotic fluid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so you're lacking all of those advantages. Not only that, and, you know, people call, you know, psychologists call this the primal wound, right? Like of the child being separated from the mother mm-hmm. under whatever circumstances, right? In whatever way. But but it's that too is, you know, even if the baby doesn't remember it later on, explicitly there's an implicit wound there, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there are all these disadvantages that theologically we would say, okay, like there's sin, right? There just is sin and yet mm-hmm. God adopts us, right? Mm-hmm. Like as forlorn and sinful and, you know, like sort of miserable as we are. Yeah. And you Um, mean they're kind of, are you kind of mean like that kind of almost like that's that state of brokenness and wounded and evil, like not evil insofar as like personal evil that may have contributed, but just the general sense of um, this, this kind of way in which we're born into a world that is not yet our home. Right. That's right. And so, so so then how does adoption yeah. kind of How's enter that? into that brokenness? I, th- I think in so many ways, right? I, I don't, so one, one very important thing, right, is that I think, I think parents should not think that parenthood just comes naturally, especially like after, as the child begins to grow, develop yeah. psychologically, spiritually. Um, there's so much, I think, moral formation that should go into parenthood that I think is scandalous, actually, that no one offers this as a matter of course. Like, everyone's offered, like, birthing classes, mm-hmm. like, even, like, nurse, maybe, like, to some extent, nursing classes, mm-hmm. right, things like this. No one teaches you, right, like, how to actually parent a child. And, yeah. you know, the, a very deliberative, like, conscious, right, and the, the stuff that adoptive parents do is just incredible, right? It's, it's right. like heroism beyond, right, so um, it, given it all, that suffering yeah, almost, yeah, in the background. There's a way that so the natural paradigm would be kind of biological motherhood and fatherhood, yeah. which then adoptive parents um, realize and instantiate yeah. through yeah. their own love and decision. Right. Um, but almost hear you suggesting in a certain sense that the adoptive parent becomes almost something like the normative standard <laughs> by which we judge the biological parent because the biological parent almost has to make a decision yeah. to kind of adopt their own child. Right. Yes, this is a child yeah. that I be that is my physical lineage, but am right. I going to claim yeah, that's right. and adopt that's right. exactly. and love yeah. this child? And I think that's a very important paradigm for us, especially in light of the fact that we cannot assume that our children are ju- just like us, right? Yeah. Like children are mm-hmm. their own people, like they're, as we know, like they, Absolutely. you know, they, they may have a completely different temperament. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to have, my, my son is going to have a vocation that I do not know about. It's mysterious to me, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. I think like parents, biological parents may have a tendency to think that we possess our children, right? It's like, I knew your beginning, right? Uh-huh. Like I made you, right? Like mm-hmm. this sort of thing. But we don't, right? Like we don't mm. know actually, right? There's a kind of mystery about yeah. the way the child comes about. Like the mother doesn't know like when and where exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Like a child is conceived in her own body, right? So yeah. so like to preserve a sense of mystery, I think adoptive parents can help us to see how important it is yeah. to preserve that mystery about the other person, even if mm-hmm. we think, okay, this is my flesh and blood. Yeah. But no, like you don't know this child, right? And mm-hmm. they have a vocation that only God knows because mm-hmm. he calls the child, right? Yeah. And we are just 
cooperators really right mm-hmm. like in this like act of bringing about like this new life which is incredible right to have yeah. this like completely novel being right suddenly mm-hmm. in the world like there was a time before when we did not exist and yeah. yet so like god calls yeah. us and i think adoptive parents can very um helpfully remind us right us biological parents yeah. of that the need for this formation, the deliberative act of mm-hmm. parenting. And the and, reception of the yeah. gift and the unknown. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and I'm sure you know this, but, uh, you know, when Aquinas talks about procreation, mm-hmm. he always talks about, like, uh, one of the, you know, the the duties of the natural law and the inclination of the natural law, right, is towards the procreation and education of children. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes yeah. today we focus on simply, right, we're so worried yeah. either avoiding yeah. fertility yeah. or getting fertility exactly as we want it when we want it right um, yeah. that we overlook this whole dimension of yeah of loving moral formation spiritual formation right. even yeah. the formation of um like the human formation of how to fail mm-hmm. um yeah. largely no, that's, that's what human crucial, beings yeah. are good at i've discovered <laughs> as i've gotten older and have older <laughs> children the main thing is it's a question of how do we learn to fail mm-hmm. without giving up? How do we mm-hmm. learn to make mistakes yeah. and find our way again? Yeah, that's yeah. really and, that's, and, I, and yeah, I feel like that's what motherhood. But 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 in some ways, in modernity, it seems like we have this tendency: we want to get it right and we don't want to make mistakes. We're oh, kind of afraid yeah. of making yeah. mistakes. And I don't know about you as a mother, but at least for me as a father, fatherhood is largely a way of my discovering my mistakes, yeah. <laughs> but also recognizing yeah. that good comes through them. Yeah. That um, that by not giving up and giving myself and others yeah. right, the space to make mistakes yeah. and the space to grow yeah. is a real part of that vocation. So the the I like your sense that the fatherhood or the motherhood is not about like saying, oh, this is my project. Mm-hmm. This is my person yeah. that I get to shape. Yeah. It's more, this is a mystery that I get to receive and yeah. offer the best that I have. We're custodians. So in that wow. sense, we're not that far off from the adoptive parent, I think. Yeah. I think that's how we should view it, you know? Wow. There's um, a beautiful prayer yeah. that I um, was taught. Um, but, you know, Lord, before they were mine, they were yours. Yeah. And I put them yeah, back in beautiful. your hands. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, um, and maybe there is something yeah. that the biological yeah. parent has a temptation yeah. to see their children as their, their own, own possessions. possessions. Yeah. And, sure. of course, any. Uh, so, But I think that that's a really powerful yeah. uh, theme. Uh, you know, you did have the chance to teach this class uh, to students at Ave Maria mm-hmm. University. What were some, I don't know, what were some of the things that maybe you remember from teaching that class? Uh, what were either questions that student ha- students have or maybe uh, things that students have shared with you that they like took from the class? Yeah, um, I, I think my, you know, our students are are very serious about, about marriage yeah. um, and, and they're very serious about becoming parents and they mm-hmm. understand that you know, marriage has this important, uh, you know, implication. I mean, it's essential to marriage that that we we want children. You know, and um, you know, they they had all. You know, it was a very very lively class. There were lots of debates in the class about you know what would con- what constitutes grave reason for practicing NFP, mm-hmm. right? For um, for postponing the birth of a child. Um, there were debates about uh, uh, how work life balance. I mean, this question about yeah, sort of, can you be a professional? woman outside of the home uh, and also be a mother. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Sure. Um, there were also lots of questions about the relationships between men and women. Um, you know, what is what is the female nature compared with the man's? And we read a lot of Edith Stein and some people hated her <laughs> and some people loved her, you know? Oh, and yeah. so, yeah, I mean, it was a very, very lively class. Um, 
and and there was just all manner of you know debate you know that that you can imagine about every wow. topic and I think that's good right like I mean you know these you know I I certainly have my own views about motherhood but I'm also a philosopher and I recognize that you know we, we want to keep open some of these questions and mm-hmm. and and have objections right and have people yeah. you know uh, offer like disagreeing. Uh, viewpoint yeah. sometimes and that yeah. that actually helps us right mm-hmm. it furthers the the discussion so yeah. so yeah i don't teach the course as if it's everything settled certainly yeah. um but you know uh I, I think that yeah i think the class was very fruitful for for myself as That's well good. as all of my good students, pun so. intended there. <laughs> um, yeah so uh yeah. Qu- question uh for you now the course was philosophy of motherhood um and you're a philosopher what is it what what about a th- like what what's the importance of the theology of motherhood and what is it specifically maybe that that you've learned or you think is important to know um, that in a way we know better yeah. in a way because God has revealed it to us. Yeah, that's a great question, and I mean I think the course you know that that we offered was quite theological actually. Okay, um, I think it was sure. cross-listed with theology actually oh, um, for for at least one person, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't. It, it's it doesn't strike me as possible really to fully understand the significance of motherhood from from merely the natural or biological point of view. As fascinating as that account is, okay. like, and I think like the science of motherhood mm-hmm. is really fascinating. Yeah, um, it, it's incredible by the way that you know uh, we know so much about the fetus in the womb, and like you know people think it's amazing that like babies can hear right at like twenty one yes, weeks or whatever, yeah. like the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but none of that seems to matter, right? Like when you don't want the baby, right? Like when you don't want yeah. the child, then, mm-hmm. you know, forget about all of that science, right? Um, so so I think it's very worth uh, studying the embryology, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 the science of the fetus um, and, and, and the hidden life, right, of the baby. But as well as, right, the life of uh, maternity, right? The, how, how fascinating um, it is to be a mother. But at the end of the day, I think that temptation to say, I made this baby mm. remains, right? And to say, like, this child is mine. I can, mm. you know, do with them what I want, right? And, um, you know, I mean, or or give them as much autonomy as I want or whatever, right? Um, it just seems really arbitrary, right? Mm-hmm. Based on that, unless we see motherhood as itself a vocation that begets another vocation. So so what I mean by wow. that is, right, It's not mm-hmm. it's not just that, you know, nature, you know, it's like, like it just happened, right? Like we had a baby, right? Um, like there are no accidents, right? Within yeah. theology, like mm-hmm. Boethius says, nothing is random, right? There is no haphazard, right? Um, God, right, is, he sees all, right? And he knew us before we even existed in some yeah. sense, right? So um, I think from that point of view, a mother and a father cannot possibly see things just from the natural point of view, uh-huh. right? Like it's not up to us to dictate the fates of our children, mm-hmm. nor our own fates for that matter. And, yeah. you know, we have to see ourselves as merely a character within this great theater that mm-hmm. God has arranged, right? Yeah. There, there's this great, the, the great play, mm-hmm. right, of life, right, that, that, that God is the composer of. And like, we're just a, we're just a character within it, yeah. like sort of, you know, yes, like we're given responsibility for a child and it's a huge honor, you know, yeah. it just feels like a huge honor and, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be the custodian and to, to sort of help the child see his vocation. And so I think to see it that way, I, I don't, yeah, I, I just think it falls really short. Like if we don't have that supernatural perspective, because um, what are we then as parents? Like we're no better really than the cow or the horse mm-hmm. or the, you know, what have you, right? Um, the, the animal mothers that, you know, anyone can be a mother, 
right? <laughs> like any animal can can yeah, become a mother, absolutely. but only but only human mm-hmm. beings can try to attain right the the, yeah. the supernatural vision that Mary mm-hmm. had when she had Jesus. Wow. Right? There's something like really. Yeah powerful for me anyway like you know when we couldn't have children like we just never mm-hmm. you know nothing happened then out of the blue someday right mm-hmm. one day um paul thomas was conceived and of course like my temptation was i'm scared to death that i'm gonna lose this baby right sure. like i've never been pregnant before like mm-hmm. and then what and then after he's born i'm scared to death that i'm gonna <laughs> that he's gonna die right like the, yeah. and I, so this is the mother's worst worst fear yeah. as, as we've talked about mm-hmm. right that that the child should die and yet it's only a supernatural vision that says, but that may be the child's vocation, right? Mm. It may be that God is calling your child yeah. to him, right? And and that's, like, that That just changes everything. It's Like, it's not like, okay, the natural yeah. remains. Mm. No, the natural, I think, right? Like, there's no tragedy in that. Like, if mm. we see things with the eyes of Mary, right? Yeah. This is like the great triumph of Christ on the cross, right? Her own son on the cross. Wow. So anyway, yeah. that's Yeah, that's really beautiful. And and I think discovering, yeah, not only that God is the creator and that he gives order and meaning to the universe, uh, but he's a merciful, loving father, yeah. right? Who will mercifully, if if we are willing, right, to turn to him, will uh, shower us with his mercy, will welcome us home. Uh, and, and the beauty in some ways, right, with our children is that, you know, if they struggle, that they can also turn back or even if right even if they depart from this life if yeah. they die that mm-hmm. that they can turn back to God's loving yeah. arm so yeah. no those are that's really a beautiful uh just a beautiful image um of how right the faith helps us discover our own vocations yeah. Yeah. uh just i wanted to close with three uh, uh kind of brief questions you can okay. give a uh, quick answers if you'd like uh but so what's a book you're reading oh um but <laughs> Well, I've got I've got a the Summa Theology right now in my backpack. That's awesome. Uh, I, yeah. I'm reading. I actually picked up. A, uh, I've I've started reading Saint Therese of Lisieux uh, again, right? Her, mm-hmm. her autobiography because it's come up in conversation um, many times uh, over the past few weeks for me. Sorry, this is a longer answer, but no, it's fine. Th- yeah, just yeah. quickly. I mean, yeah. I was at a, a conference um, on Mother Teresa. It was this inaugural conference of the Saint Mother Teresa Institute. Yeah. Um, and our old friend. Um, uh, Jim Tui yeah. uh, was there. And so, um, you know, I, I think what I learned from that conference too is how much the little flower influenced Mother Teresa's sense yeah. of her being a mother. And so that really struck me. And I said, okay, I need to reread this. Wow. Um, but yeah, I was uh, very struck by the fact that mother mm-hmm. for Mother Teresa, the greatest honorific was being called mother. Yeah. Like even when she was elevated, you know, to yeah. the highest possible mm-hmm. position, like she said, no, call me mother. I think it was Pope so, Francis yeah. in his canonization homily yeah. for Mother Teresa yeah. who actually said, we're going to continue to call her Mother Teresa because she is a mother. Yeah. All of ours. So yeah. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, second question is what's what's a daily habit or practice that you do to find meaning and purpose in your life? Um, yeah, that's a good. Uh, I yeah. So I think um, one one habit that I really try to instill is to get out of bed and instead of checking my phone, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> um, great. I try to get down on the ground and mm-hmm. I, I, I say to God, like this day is yours and wow. everything in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's hard for us to practice detachment, right? But like this little spiritual practice, mm-hmm. like reminds me, like this day does not belong to me. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna be completely in control of it, but I'm gonna do yeah. as much as I can to offer to God. So yeah, that's just like that's, one little, oh, yeah. That's, that's really wonderful. And uh, final question, right? This shows about theology. So one of the things we try to think about is that ideas about God matter. 
Um, and if we don't have good ideas about God, we often have bad ideas about yes. God. Uh, so maybe, you know, what's one bad idea or kind of false belief you had about God that maybe, you know, hurt you? And what's the mm. truth you discovered? Wow, that's, uh, that's, I can't possibly give a short answer to that. But <laughs> I think um, I remember a point, so I'm a convert and, um, you know, I was raised by awesome parents mm-hmm. Um and by awesome, I mean like really ambitious, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, happiness will be found in achievement too. And, you know, this is me, like it, it also is me. Like, I don't, I don't have a problem with saying like, you know, we should be ambitious people, yes. right? Um, but it also means that I think I'm speaking too to what you were just saying about like making mistakes. Like it's hard to make mistakes under like a very like high ambition, achievement oriented uh, culture. Yeah. And um I remember the the parable of the prodigal son being very, very helpful to me mm. because as you're saying, like God is not just, he's not just perfect in his pure actuality yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. and okay, we're supposed to be like God in that respect, but yeah. he's also a merciful, loving father. Yeah. He's a father who like waits by the road, mm-hmm. like day after day, like looking out for you, <laughs> you know, like yeah. come rain or shine, right? He's like watching, like hoping that we'll like come to him and um, this was very helpful for me as a convert, right, from, you know, I mean, I still retain, like, I, I still think, you know, people should should be ambitious and, like, mm-hmm. you should do as well as you possibly can, like, anything that you set your mind to. But on the other hand, um, failure and imperfection and, right, the weakness of the human heart, right, is actually necessary for us to see who we are and to see the truth and to to attain that excellence too. Like, we can't be excellent without sometimes being not excellent, right? So, yeah. and I've seen this too with like being a mom, right? Like you have to let the child fall a few times and you have to be okay with it and not wow. like freak out, right? Like panic every time. Yeah. Like he, you know, he's gotten into like pretty big scrapes before and like yeah. you have to like be able mm. to, you have to let that happen, right? For him to like learn mm. how to how to flourish in life. So I don't know, I've, I've seen like God is, God is a wonderful, patient God and we shouldn't see him as this taskmaster, right? Who expects perfection mm-hmm. out of us and- yeah, I mean, it means that all the sacraments of the church are really a very loving, uh, a loving sort of in- invitation from God, wow. right, to like get closer yeah. to him. I mean, confession especially, mm-hmm. right? It's not this like, okay, recite all the imperfect <laughs> things you did, right, all of your failures, but it's rather like, right, the father who says, yeah, I'm not, per-, right, like the the father who like, yeah, invites the son home That's and great. showers him, yeah, with love. Well, so. Dr. Brian Bach, thank you so much for sharing with us your insights about motherhood and uh, some of the... Uh, lessons you learned in developing and teaching uh, the course on the philosophy of motherhood at Ave Maria. Thanks We're so for, grateful yeah. for your time here. Thank you. Thank you for the great questions. And I learned a lot from you too. Oh, uh, well, thanks so much. <laughs> Enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. If you like this episode, please rate and review it on your favorite podcast app to help others find the show. And if you want to take the next step, please consider joining our Annunciation Circle so we can continue to bring you more free content. We'll see you next time on the Catholic Theology Show.